Welcome to Why Not, a podcast by SA Winos for our monthly wine club members. In this season, we're tasting Rhino Run organic wines, and so far we've had a Chenin Blanc and a Pinotage. On this episode, we're drinking Rhino Run's Cabernet Sauvignon, a special wine to say the least, but a fantastic way to end the series. Francois, do you mind telling us a little bit about what we're going to be having this episode? Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining. So, um, you know, we've been taking this trip through the Van Leeuwen estate, and I think their wines their wines are so fantastic, and they they really speak to the history that this family has had, both you know to the land and um, the generations that have owned it, and how how they've kind of curated um, some of these fantastic vines, but also some of the most kind of unique happenstances, you know, like um, they've got this Pinotage that's fruity and I'm not normally used to a fruity Pinotage. Uh, one of the things that kind of intrigued me and something that I'd like to go see if I ever visit this vineyard um, in the coming future, um, the the vineyard's owners, um, well, original owners, they actually, the, the wife lost her name. You're fine. Um, You're fine. <laughs> Jean Van Zale. Um, she uh, has an ancestor that she can trace back to 1699, which is one of the original settlers of South Africa um, named Christina Van Leeuwen. Now, if you've been to the warehouse and you've tasted the Christina Van Leeuwen uh, Brut Rosé and, and Brut um, Champagnes, you know how good those wines are. And the reason that they kind of name those sparkling wines and continue to name their sparkling ranges after uh, what I would assume is great grandma, several generations removed, um, is because she was the main reason they named this vineyard Van Leeuwen. So um, original settler, uh, she married uh, to uh, a guy named Willem Van Zale, which started the Van Zale lineage in South Africa. Van Zale, um, if you were part of our, our wine club last month, uh, you got some Neil Joubert wines. Joubert is a huge last name in South Africa. Van Zale is just as big. Um, so this is the original sort of, you know, starting point of the Van Zale clan in, in South Africa and massive families. Um, but one of the coolest things about <clears throat> this specific couple is Christina, before um, she got married, bought herself a bridal trousseau chest, which I guess I don't know if it was a tradition back then, but it's this massive chest of drawers that, um, or can be a chest of drawers. Apparently, it doesn't have to be, but it's it's also translated into something called a hope chest. Um, she bought one specifically made out of Philippine mahogany, which everybody knows how heavy mahogany is. So, um, bless those movers who got to put that on a ship. Uh, and that chest has been in this particular family uh, since the day she bought it. So the current vineyard acquired this chest um, for 40, 45 pounds when Jean uh, purchased it from her great aunt. And it's been at the Van Leeuwen vineyard uh, since she bought it. So since the uh, early 1930s. And it currently resides in the tasting room. And I just think that'd be so cool to go see something that's from 1699, you know, in a tasting room somewhere in the middle of, uh, a wine farm. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just something about that just speaks to people who appreciate legacy and, you know, keep the legacy of these great winemaking traditions alive and just, just really neat. 
That is awesome. Like when you find out little facts like that, uh, you, it, it goes to show how much these people care. Um, and if they care that much about, um, an, an old chest, uh, then they care enough, uh, to put the utmost care into something that has their name on it as well. That's seen out in public, sold across the world, uh, and enjoyed in, in, uh, the far reaches of, North Texas, as I'm drinking this Cabernet Sauvignon tonight. So (laughs) I I, I can appreciate that. And that's very, very cool. Um, Let's let's just get it out of the way right away, Francois. Is there anything we need to do to enjoy this wine at its peak? Yeah. So so I think, you know, as we're recording these episodes, and again, this is our inaugural season, as everybody's well aware. Um, I've realized we've only gotten to this part at the end, which doesn't really help anybody. So not at all. um, Yeah. So with that being said, uh, you'll always see any recommendations in our podcast description. So do do look for that before you just go and open a bottle or we'll specifically tell you if it needs to be super cold, like a Shannon. In the case of this cab solve, you can't chill this. So if you're, if you're a person who's been sitting on this for a couple months and haven't gotten to this wine, um, it, you can chill it in the summer. It's going to taste wonderfully well. Uh, in the winter, I would serve it at room temp, so right around that 67, 72 degree mark. Um, doesn't need to be aerated, but I would always, with reds, again, I would always leave them open for a bit. Um, you kind of want that initial um, just flavor to calm down a, a bit, you know, oxidize that wine just a tad bit. Um, when it comes to specifically Van Leeuwen wines, um, kind of the last feature or factoid that I'll throw out, uh, they're one of the earliest pickers in, in South African wine. So a lot of other vineyards will um, base their picking season off of when Van Leeuwen picks. Uh, they get ripest, quickest, um, and kind of set that picking schedule in South Africa. So when you taste their wines, they tend to be a little bit softer. They don't tend to be so heavy. So this Cab Soft does not need to be aerated. Can be. It does benefit from it. But you can have it straight out the bottle. It'll still be very good. Um, this might be a little bit more t- uh, tannic than you're used to. Um, finally, you know, i got to run through the, 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 the factoid sheet. Um, these are 12-year vines. Uh, just straight up 12-year 12 12-year 12 vines. Um really in the prime of their winemaking lives. I mean, when you're talking about a 12 year, um, a 12 year vine, it's, it's, yeah, it's perfect. You're, you're not really going to find anything wrong with, um, with what's going on there. The, uh, other thing is hundred percent cab solve super common uh, around the world. Therefore it is important to kind of talk about the winemaking styles here. This is a French style cab, so you're not going to get a ton of fruit forward. Uh, you will get some fruit. Um, you will get some oak as well, but it's not oaked for 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 an extended period of time. Um, so yeah, all in all, well balanced wine. This is a 2020. It's a three to four year kind of shelf life. You can't age it for longer, um, but it is in its prime drinking age right now. It's picked to be drunk, um, not cellared. They do have a cellared series, which. Um, it's kind of a different state red um, that you can purchase, but this specifically is picked to drink um, about three to four years out. So, yeah, why don't we uh, get to tasting? That sounds 
like a great idea. I've been, I've been sneaking, sneaking some tastes of myself over here. So it's uh, hard not to, I mean, if, as soon as you put this to your nose, you just can't help but taste. We are joined again by Christina for her favorite segment of the podcast. Christina, would you like to kick us off and let us know your tasting notes here? Absolutely. I would indeed. Um, I'm biased because this is a little bit more um, of my preferred flavor profile. Um, not that I didn't enjoy the Pinotage from the last cast. Um, I just really like how bold and almost in your face this wine is. Um, I'm getting, I'm definitely getting the dry finish. I'm getting some plums from it um, and a lot of leather. Leather wasn't one of the things that was even mentioned in the tasting notes from the, um, from Von Lufren. Um, but that's what my palate thinks it's, it's, it's getting from this wine. Um, and those were kind of my tasting notes in terms of the smell itself. I'm still, I'm smelling the leather. I'm getting a little bit of maybe, I don't know, a little bit of mulberry or something like that, but all the, I, I just love how bold this wine is. I think it would be awesome with like a nice charcuterie spread with some real good, um, dry sausages or, or things like that. I think this would just pair really well with that salty flavor. That's, that's me. I love it. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of that real quick. Cheese. I want all the cheeses with this wine. Um, it is, it does have that like a dark stone fruit flavor, but it's way more bold and in your face. Um, I'm picking up some cedar in here, not so much oak, because with oak I get like uh, vanilla is like the the, the the crossover cooking flavor, um, but I'm getting like a spiciness, um, like a tab- like similar to uh, tobacco, um, but it's like the uh, like cedar that uh, uh, cigars are stored in, <laughs> like the cedar box. Um, no, now that you said that, I totally i I agree. It's like smoky cedar. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Both in the nose and then I'm tasting it too. So it's like, and that may be, that may be one of those things that I'm smelling it. So obviously I'm looking for it in, in my taste. Um, but it's very, very enjoyable and very, very bold. Um, very, I, I, I like this wine a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, man, I, th- I think you all nailed it. It's, it's a, it really is a testament, right? So one of the things I didn't men- mention, which I, I used, I, I don't know, I just missed it in the wine factoids. This is eight eight tons a hectare. So this, a hectare, this is a super minimal production per acre, right? So you're talking three and under per acre, right around, if I'm doing the math right. That is a very, very... Um, low yield per acre when it comes to the fruit and you can taste it. You're, you're, you're tasting cab Sauv at its optimum, uh, just flavor profile. I mean, just absolutely fantastic wine. And like I said, previous cast organic wines that yield per acre is going to be lower because they've got to have a lot more control over, um, pests and whatnot. And the more fruit you introduce, the more difficult that becomes. So, um, 12 year old vines, I, I, you just get absolute 
insane berry, mulberry. Um, I, I always get stone fruit. I don't know, like in the red in the red wines, like like plum, dates. But I, I mean, I think that might be kind of a, a signature of Rhino Run. Like that may mm-hmm. be their whatever they're doing in the, in their fields, whether it's the small yield or you know the the crop that they they pulled that year. I think it might be part of their part of their uh, their thumbprint on this wine. Uh, is yeah, that, I, there's that like black cherry, black currant, stone fruit, like dark stone fruit. Yeah, there's there's nothing about this wine that I can't uh, compliment. It's a fantastic way to end the series. Uh, personally, Brian, Christina, thank you very much for joining. We are launching this podcast with the hopes that it's a good accompaniment to your enjoyment of these wines. Um, We know when you come out to the warehouse or uh, talk to us on the phone that some of these facts can be overwhelming and this is a good spot to come back to. So when you're enjoying these wines, pop the podcast on, take a quick listen through what you're tasting, enjoy your wine, Um, always come back. We've got plenty more. Rhino Run, fantastic way to launch the cast. Uh, If you all are interested in joining or you know people interested in joining, please do visit sawinos.com. We will be uh, featuring additional vineyards. And in the future, you can look forward to probably some of the winemakers joining us too. So uh, that'll be special features for some of these vineyards. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh, Thanks for this uh, uh, joining the first series. Uh, We'll see you on the next one.